Welcome into the Orange Fizz National Signing Day recruiting special. Tyler Aki alongside Drew Carter and J.D. Rauchy. We've got a packed show for you today. We're going to break down every single guy that signed today in the class of 2018 for SU football. And as always, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Orange Fizz. Check out all of our web content at orangefizz.net for the full breakdown of all the guys that we're about to talk about. All right, so right out of the gate, craziness ensues as Tyrone Sampson does not sign. He reopens his commitment, and this is just groundbreaking stuff. This was supposed to be your top guy in the class, the number two center in the nation, backing out of his commitment, one of two four-star guys you're supposed to get. This was a guy who was really passionate about coming to Syracuse, and now he's no longer a part of the program. Granted, SU still on the table, but who knows from here on out. Yeah, I like what you said there, Tyler. He's very passionate. Not only is he the top guy in terms of his rating and probably his skill on the field, he also was kind of the top guy in terms of being a cheerleader for the program. And we talked to him a couple times, especially after that close game against LSU, which we thought might have been Syracuse's most impressive performance of the season at the time it happened. I know you talked to a bunch of recruits. And Tyrone Sampson was vocal. He said, that's why I chose Syracuse. And then the Clemson win must have just supplemented that too. Shocking news that Tyrone Sampson does not want to come to Syracuse anymore or isn't completely certain about it because, like you said, he still might end up settling on SU. And then the other big thing is this offensive line has been so banged up in these past couple of seasons. You had a ton of help coming in with two four-star recruits. You're only two four-stars in the class. you got Kadir White. You've got Tyrone Sampson. And now one of them is just potentially gone. It's, it's super disappointing. I was just a little confused when I first heard that Tyrone Sampson had decommitted. I just, like Drew said, like you said, he was such a cheerleader for this team. He was kind of rallying support around the Syracuse program with other recruits. He was doing his own recruiting. And then all of a sudden he decides, I want to use my four official visits that I have left at my disposal to go take a look at a couple of other programs. So there are some rumors that he might want to stay closer to home. He's been getting a little bit of a little bit of uh, interest from Cincinnati and from Indiana. There are rumors that he uh, obviously he still loves Syracuse. Syracuse was the program he first fell in love with, but he's definitely keeping his options open. Again, not out of the question, right? But it it kind of seems like if you saw Dino Babers during his press conference today when he answered the Tyrone Sampson question, he kind of gave that blank stare for a little bit. Is kind of a uh, he's in the past. Yeah, The past is the past, and he's moved on, I think, from Tyrone Sampson. Right. I think it's fascinating. We, we don't want to speculate totally about what's going on in a guy's head, but if you think about potential reasons why, the being close to home thing makes sense, but why is it only a problem now? Like, why wouldn't that have been a problem when he initially verbally committed? Maybe he takes a look at this roster of signees. I mean, I'm looking at the geography right now. The closest guy to uh, Detroit, aside from Carlos Federello, who is from Detroit, another offensive lineman, Texas, Washington, D.C., I mean, those are the closest places to the Midwest aside from New York if you take a look at the guys who have committed. So maybe Tyrone Sampson was worried that he's not going to know anyone when he gets here. There's not going to be anyone from his neck of the woods. I don't know. I just would have thought that would have been a concern when he verbally committed. And and I talked to Anthony Queeley earlier today, a Syracuse three-star wide receiver that's coming in, and he said that when he took his a, a visit just a couple weeks ago with Samson, he said he seems like a genuine guy, he seems like a great guy, a great teammate, a guy to, that you want to be around. And then for him to back out, I mean, we've brought up the cheerleader aspect. Nobody's been more vocal on social media about wanting to come and play at Syracuse. He was so far ahead of the game, he wanted to enroll early. He had that plan set out from the get-go. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's some complication there that we don't know about, but... It certainly is a really fishy situation. And not only that, but Syracuse on Cuse.com had their recruiting roster 
and Tyrone Sampson was not on it this morning. And that was a little bit of a red flag from the start. Yeah, Dino Babers has probably known longer than we have that Tyrone Sampson was going to reopen his recruitment. But Tyler, you bring up the fact that he wanted to enroll early. After he announces his decommitment on Twitter, a couple of hours later, maybe one hour later, he says something along the lines of, I'm not going to enroll early anywhere. I'm going to reopen my recruitment and I'm going to finish my senior year of high school. So I think that part of this is because he just wants to look at all of his options. Drew, you talked about, you know, why wasn't this an issue before? Maybe Indiana and Cincinnati weren't pursuing him as hard as they are now. He's also had some linkage to uh, North Carolina. He's started to follow some of their coaches on Twitter, and there's some linkage there. So maybe there are some programs now that are kind of giving him more interest than he saw before. That's making him reconsider. Also keep in mind, he's playing in the Army All-American Bowl in January, and that's another great showcase for him to show off his talents, and that could mean a whole other slew of offers. So the Tyrone Sampson saga is far from over at this point. And we could see some of those other schools in the Midwest, like Cincinnati and Indiana that you mentioned. Maybe the reason they're just getting in on Sampson now is because they got kind of smited by other guys, like they got rejected by some other recruits they were looking at. We've actually seen the shoe on the other foot with Syracuse basketball when they were going hard after Quad A Green, and when Quad A Green said, I'm going to Kentucky instead, they immediately turned around and said, Eric Ayala, what are you doing? Because he's in, he's in the next class, but it's the same type of idea. It's if you have a spot open up, then maybe you go out and you try to find someone. Tyrone Sampson maybe gets a call a couple days ago. Maybe he sees Sean Lewis leaving, who's not an offensive line coach, but he is a quarterback and wide receiver coach. Maybe he sees the snow starting to fall in Syracuse. You never know. If he's scared uh, of the snow, I don't think he's living in the right place because yeah. well, he's from Detroit. Exactly. Right. Detroit, you get that same lake effect stuff that yeah, you do up here. Cincinnati isn't exactly gorgeous. Yeah. So we'll, we'll <laughs> see. We'll see what happens, but it is a little bit disheartening because this guy's been on board for so long. Yeah, he committed back in April. Out, you just find out now. There were no signs, yeah, at least yeah. to us. A, a complete blindsiding, nothing, just a tough pill to swallow for SU fans. But again, not ruling him out completely yet because there's still a chance he comes back. So we'll have to monitor that going into February. All right, another crazy situation from today. Jack Smith, the linebacker from Florida, he just didn't have papers. And this is a weird situation. We talked to him about it on the phone he was kind of the last guy that Syracuse was waiting on to see if he'd signed today. And we knew that Jawar Jordan and Akeem Dixon would not, and we'll hit on them in just a little bit. But this is just a strange situation with Jack Smith. It seems like a lack of communication. He says he's still a 1,000% in on Syracuse, all in there. But at the same time, his coaches didn't get him the papers. His parents, there were really no conversations about signing early. You wonder if he even knew about the early signing period. So... Just something you didn't really see across the nation. But again, this early signing period, Syracuse not the only one being affected by it. This has nationwide been an issue. Right. It's really hard to fathom that Jack Smith doesn't have the right papers. If you think about the process that recruiting is in this day and age, I mean, that's the most simple thing. You could probably just... print that out. I could print it out. Yeah, right yeah I was going to say, we could, probably, we could probably commit somewhere if you really wanted to. We'll go to. back to the 20th century and fax him the papers. <laughs> just... Just sign. The 20th century, how long ago was that? <laughs> so far in the rearview mirror. It really is unbelievable, though. It's it's really hard to imagine that the guy doesn't have the right papers and everything else was in place. It, it's hard not to be skeptical, to be honest with you. How can you not have the papers? I was honestly just so confused when we got the call from him. And, and Tyler, I think you were the one that talked to him, said, you were like, so what's going on? He's like, I just don't have the papers. And I was like, what do you mean you don't have the papers? And then I was thinking, maybe he has, doesn't have the papers because he's reconsidering, and then you're like, are you still committed to Syracuse? And he said, yeah, absolutely. But it's a very odd situation. I'm interested to see, or I'm interested to 
would be interested to see what's going through Dino Baber's mind about Jack Smith because he's a good linebacker. He's a three-star linebacker, just like most of this class is full of three-star guys. And remember, guys like Paris Bennett, Zaire Franklin, all three-star guys, they turned out wonderfully here in Central New York, too. So you never know. There are diamonds in the rough out there. And you go down to Florida, that's where you're going to find them, too. Because that, who know the recruiting angle of it, they're three stars in comparison to guys who are all world beaters. Right. Like you get the three stars in, in the New York area or, or in in some of these other smaller states where football isn't as big, and three star is three star because of talent. But three stars down in Florida, you're stacking them up against five stars. So maybe they don't look as good, but they're still very talented. They athletes. might be they might be four star guys if they had played in another spot. It's kind of like the O'Shea Brissett theory that if he had played in the United States, he'd be a bit more highly touted as a recruit. Maybe if these guys did not play in Florida and they played somewhere like New York or maybe like a New Jersey, they'd get a little bit more exposure. They'd beat up on teams more because they're more talented. And maybe they're a little bit more highly recruited. I'm not saying that Jack Smith is that guy, but he certainly has the possibility of being that guy. I don't think anybody thought, oh my God, Zaire Franklin, he might become one of the best linebackers in the ACC. Well, that's exactly what he did. Right, they they are used to playing with and against top flight competition. That's going to be the same thing they face when they get to the ACC. Florida's got plenty of football talent, not enough paper is what we've learned. <laughs> not enough paper. Let's get some... guy a napkin. Just let him sign a napkin. Let's I mean... let's get let's get some more trees. I don't want any more of those palm trees in Florida. You can't get paper from those. Let's get paper from real live trees down down in the Sunshine State. I think Lamar Hunt crafted the plans for the AFL on, on a, a napkin. napkin. I on think you're right. Yeah, just. Jack Smith, do the same A little thing. cocktail napkin. Get this man a napkin. Not sure that would be uh, quite seen as official. You know, it's 2017. Enough with the paper. Can we, we get, a, can we get an electronic? Digital, yeah. You, you should be able to get, like, an iPad now. Yeah. And just use yeah. your finger. Sign away. All right, next situation from today. Let's talk about the guys who, aside from Jack Smith, didn't sign. It's Jawar Jordan and Akeem Dixon, both running backs, both from opposite ends of the coast. Jawar Jordan all the way out in Arizona, although he is from New York originally. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Akeem Dixon. From Florida as well. So you look at these two, again, running backs in the class. You've got a couple guys in front of you. You look at a Marquenzie Pierre, Dante Strickland's going to be there for at least another year. So the the thing with these two now, they're supposedly waiting until February for that, that usual signing period, uh, the traditional one, but Jawar Jordan picks up an offer from Texas. Yeah. And this was a guy who exploded this past season. You look at his highlight tape, it's filthy. Yeah, and his Twitter <laughs> handle is cuts on dime. Yeah, and, and that's appropriate. Yeah, because you look at the way he moves out there on the field, and he's giving up. He's going out there and putting up six touchdown performances, and he's doing this consistently. That is, and now you're trying to drag him all the way across the country. Right. You heard Dino Baber say, "I don't think we'd get a lot of these guys if we had to wait until February." Yeah. And he's kind of going out there and finding these diamonds in the rough, and Jawar Jordan very well could be one of them. Right. It seemed like the early signing period that we're talking about right now was sort of built to maybe avoid something like this. Like if a guy verbally commits in, let's say, the summer, there's less time for a team like Texas to maybe lose out on another more top-flight recruit and then come back around and say, Jawar Jordan, are you still interested? Now you've got a lot to worry about, and Texas probably got in right under the gun with this offer for Jawar Jordan. And again, we don't know for a fact that he is thinking about Texas or even any certain school, or maybe he just doesn't want to commit this early and he wants to keep his options open. But Jawar Jordan really seems like a guy who's going to be skyrocketing up boards. He already has, and he could still do so. And that's the thing with Jawar Jordan. He told us a couple of days ago that he was not going to be signing today. And the Texas Texas offer came in today, like mm-hmm. 
a couple of hours after a lot of Syracuse guys signed. So at first when I heard that Texas offered him, I thought, oh boy, this is not good. Big 12 program, close to home, one of the most storied program, one of the best brands in college football. Tom Herman's been doing crazy stuff there, spending oodles of money on his players and on his facilities. And I thought, oh boy, it's also close to home. And then I look, I'm looking at his offers now. He's from Arizona. Well, he plays in Arizona. He's made it kind of a life in Arizona. Mm-hmm. But he committed to Syracuse over Arizona, the University of Arizona. So I'm not sure how much of the geography plays into it for Jawar Jordan, but certainly getting an offer from the from a program the caliber of Texas could certainly swing his decision. But at the same time, he told us before, like we said, that he wasn't going to he wasn't going to be signing. So maybe it's just the fact that, like you said, Drew, he just wants to keep his options open. Right. And I think the interesting thing here is as time goes on, maybe one of these two running backs, Jawar Jordan and Akeem, Akeem Dixon, says so there are no running backs in this class, maybe that opens the door. And they say, I didn't want to be in the same class as a guy as talented as the counterpart. Then they say, well, if the other guy's not committing, then I'm going to. Because maybe they get more opportunity. You don't know. And again, I mean, they're very different backs, too. You, you look at a guy like Jawar Jordan, we mentioned it. This guy's a blazer out in the open field. And then you got a guy like Akeem Dixon. He's kind of like Markenzie Pierre. And right. How many power backs can you really have on your team? Yeah. Because right now it's not, two plus Moniel. And then not to mention that, but you also have a, a guy like Chris Elmore too. So, I mean, there's plenty of muscle on that front line. And if you're only going to get one good season in there, you, you got to wonder if it's the right fit for you. All right. Anything else you want to hit before we go player by player? I just want to touch on that last thing you said for a quick second. Mm-hmm. If these guys are really worried about playing time, especially Dixon. Maybe he should look in the mirror. If he if he really wants to play at a Power 5 school and wants to start for multiple years, you're not Saquon Barkley. I mean, you hate to say it, but he's not. So if he really wants to get a ton of playing time at a Power 5 school, then he, he needs to uh, find something else. At the same time, at the same time, Syracuse is also not Penn State. So That's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I mean. Like, if you want to play Power 5, Syracuse might be your best chance. Uh, and then last thing I want to hit on, too. Do you like the early signing period? It's fun. It gives us something to do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now we have two Fismases. We have this and February. Why not? But they're like uh, mini Fismases. Yeah. Because I mean, next Fismas is not going to be like normal Fismas. It's more like Kwanzaa Fizz coming up in February. <laughs> Kwanzaa Fizz. Hey, we got two crazy nights. Yeah. Oh, we're, we're almost there. We're a quarter way there. Overall, I think, mm, I don't care. It, it doesn't really seem like it makes a difference. because yeah. Yeah. You just only, push the timeline forward. Right. The only tangible difference I could think of would be to avoid something like what's going on with Samson and maybe Jawar Jordan, which and is... Chase Chance Amy, who right. we're going to talk on, about in a little bit. Which is yeah. a, a, blue, a blue blood program coming in at the last minute, but they're just going to do that a couple months earlier now. I don't right. think it really makes a whole difference. Okay. Now let's go player by player. Let's start at the top of the class. Right now it's Kadir White. Barring something crazy happening and Tyrone Sampson coming back, Kadir White, the offensive lineman from New York, I mean, he's one of the, the many New York guys in this class, he's going to be the headliner for this team. He's the only four-star right now. And offensive line, again, they don't get a lot of the glory. Who knows how good he really is. But, I mean, this is a big dude. Six foot seven, over 300 pounds. I mean, this is a guy who's going to come in and, by all intents and purposes, start on day one. Yeah, in Dino Baber's tweet, he even mentioned the fact that this guy is massive. He said, look out, New York City, we're stealing one of your skyscrapers because Kadir White is from the Bronx, so he's a city guy. 
And he basically is a, a skyscraper. He's 6'7", what is he, 3'30"? 3'34". 3'34". If you're looking for a guy to protect Tommy DeVito's blindside, you found him in Kadir White. Yeah, I mean, he he's he fills the, one of the biggest needs that Syracuse has. All of this year, all of the year before, ever since Eric Dungy stepped on the football field at Syracuse University, there have been issues on the offensive line. He's gotten hurt every single season. A lot of that's because the offensive line play has been inconsistent. They haven't had the same guys starting week in and week out. They've had injuries. So they need to bolster an offensive line unit. And they also need to get the, the running back game going, the running game going, because if Dino Bamber's offense wants to be successful, it's gonna have to it's gonna have to be a little a little bit more balanced than it was these past two seasons. We're going to see a little bit more run. Maybe Kadir White could help Syracuse in that way. And let's be honest too. Mo Neal is most effective when he's going outside the tackles. I think Dante Strickland you could say the same about. And now that you're gonna bring in a guy like Kadir White, a, an absolute six foot seven traffic stopper, I mean, you're gonna seal that edge for guys like Mo Neal and, and Dante Strickland and give them that edge. And maybe Dino's a little more confident now running outside with a guy like Kadir White anchoring either side. Right. It would have been nice to have an anchor like that in the middle as well with yeah. Tyrone Sampson. But I think if you look at the nature of the position, left tackle is probably going to help you more in the passing game than in the running game when you compare it to a center, which is kind of the opposite. So Dino Babers, I know he likes to talk about establishing the run, we can all kind of agree that it's a pass-first offense. If you're going to lose one guy, if it's a left tackle or a center, I think you'd probably rather keep the left tackle. Yeah, and it's not like Kadir White's any slouch compared to Tyrone Sampson. He's he's huge, and he's he's well he's well rated. His tape looks pretty good. There are certainly some things to work on. But there's things to work on with a five-star left tackle coming in. There are things to work on with every single guy coming out of high school. There are habits to break. There are habits to make. And Dino Babers and the offensive line and the offensive line coach and the whoever whoever the offensive coordinator is going to be moving forward without Sean Lewis, they're going to work with Kadir White. They're going to see that he's their best. He's their best prospect in their class, and they're going to put a lot, a lot of time and effort into this kid from the Bronx. Uh, I just want to hit on one thing because you mentioned Sean Lewis, a little buzzword right there. I don't think he hurt recruiting at all today. Doesn't seem like it. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. actually very shocked by it too. Yeah, it, I, honestly, like it might have helped. It's probably just a coincidence, but this guy comes out of nowhere. Chance Amy, the quarterback Syracuse gets, who is pretty highly touted. He's three stars out of Texas, and like we just talked about, if you're three stars out of Texas, that is super impressive. So Syracuse doesn't lose any wide receivers, and they actually gain a quarterback when Sean Lewis leaves. Doesn't seem like he had any any effect at all. Yeah. Uh, next up, Ed Hendricks, the receiver out of the D.C. area. This might be one of the more intriguing guys in this class. The best skill position guy that you got, and Ed Hendricks. He'll be. We'll see him on the outside. He's that awesome blend of size, speed. He's got a six four frame. He runs a, a huddle reported four point three forty, which is un believable he's gonna fit perfectly in the system yeah he will and if you're looking for a guy to maybe replace Steve Ishmael I know Hedricks isn't gonna come until next season and he's he's still gonna be pretty raw at that point as a freshman but in the future down the line when Dino Babers wants that next go-to guy to fill the shoes of Edatawa and Ishmael Hendricks seems like he could be a pretty good candidate yeah and Kim McLeod is the running back and wide receivers coach for the Syracuse football team and in an interview and a little preview of what he thought Ed Hendricks could bring to the program he said that they're going to put some weight on this kid. They want to get him up to around 215. So if he puts on 30 pounds, maybe his speed goes down a little bit, but he can afford that if he's already got a 4-340. So if he puts on a little bit more weight and he can go up and catch balls and make and make contested catches like the likes of Steve Ishmael or Amba Edetabo, 
plus his speed, he could be something really special for a Syracuse program that has produced a lot of ultra, not ultra talented, but ultra high octane, ultra statistical wide receivers in the past few years. You look at some of his other offers as well, Michigan State, Louisville, Missouri, Clemson. I mean, he had the chance to do the same thing, put up these same numbers. I mean, right. we haven't seen a, a really good Syracuse wide receiver go to the NFL in a while. Yeah. And he could be the guy. He absolutely could be. And a lot of them put up huge numbers. I mean, specifically mm-hmm. these last two years at Atawa and Ishmael. And Dino Papers was asked today in his press conference, do you think that the allure of putting up those monster numbers maybe impacts a wide receiver or a quarterback's decision to come to Syracuse? And Dino actually said no, he doesn't really think so, which I kind of found a little bit surprising. But, I mean, what Dino thinks and what these recruits are thinking might be two different things. Hendricks might see the opportunity to put up insane numbers. Yeah, Dino can say whatever he wants, but the opportunity to put up silly numbers and being at the top of lists like Steve Ishmael and Amba Atawa were nat- nationally, that's definitely, a, that's definitely a draw to this program. And a lot of recruits talked about that with us today. I will say this, though. Dino Babers, I think he might get it a little bit, though. Mm-hmm. Because you look at Ambed Atawa. I mean, he puts up those stupid, stupid video game numbers. And then he goes undrafted. Right. Dino might say, all right, he knows it's a product of the, of the whole thing. Right. He can't make the argument realistically that one of those two guys is going to be a highly touted NFL prospect because of the numbers they put up at Syracuse when kind of seems like NFL teams see through the junk a little bit. Uh, this just in. So Randy Charlton was a name that we were talking that there was a chance that he would come to Syracuse. He seemed like he was down to Indiana and Syracuse. Then out of nowhere, he picks FIU. Mm-hmm. Well, he's gone back on that now. And he's going to Indiana University, and he's given the classic recruit response in the tweet. Respect my decision. Yes. What is that? I'm actually tired of seeing respect my decision because I really wasn't tired of it until I just saw it from Randy Charlton because Randy Charlton put out a video today of him at a conference saying, I am going to be playing at Florida International University. Then here we are, probably 12 hours later, now he's saying, respect my decision, I'm going to Indiana. I really don't want to respect your decision here. Why the heck would you say anything about Florida International if you were always in on Indiana? It's very confusing. I just don't get how you change literally hours after you have 12 hours, a half a day! After you've announced the decision. I just don't get why you'd want to go to Bloomington, Indiana, to be honest hey, with you. Why would you want to go to Florida International? Because of the weather? At least that's close to home. Yeah, are you kidding me? Oh. FIU! Give me almost, Indiana, almost the Big Ten program. Come on now. Uh, Mayor Isaiah, you. I don't know. I don't know about that. That's just what a whirlwind of a day. Yeah. You don't want to. I mean, you don't want to. Randy like, Charlton has been personality. Randy Charlton has been up, down, and all around. Yeah. It's been a weird day for the Charlton family. He's literally picked everyone except Syracuse. Nice. Hey, all maybe right. Still a chance. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? We'll um, check back with you guys February. in twelve hours. Um, Trill Williams up next on our list. This guy's intriguing. He might be my favorite prospect in this class. He does everything well. Every single thing on the football field. He's coming in as a defensive back. He's going to play cornerback is what he told us today, is what Dino Babers has said, and what Nick Monroe, his recruiter and the secondary coach, who we'll get to, because Nick Monroe is incredible in a number of ways. But Trill Williams is going to come in. He's going to play cornerback. He's going to play special teams. Maybe he's a kick returner. they got to use explosiveness in some way. Maybe he comes in and 
plays a little, de- de- little bit of defense, a little bit of offense. There are a lot of things to love, mostly his explosiveness and his athleticism. Yeah, Terrell Williams, we could really see him all over the field. It kind of seems like a situation where he's probably not going to play every snap on both sides of, of the ball because that's basically impossible in 2017 with the speed of the game and the size of the players. Especially the speed of the game for Syracuse right, on offense. Yeah, right. We'll see him in probably a couple different packages. Could be as a running back, could be as a wide receiver. But these guys can come in with one position and end up at a different one. Irv Phillips did this, did that exact thing. He came in as a running back, ended up as a wide receiver. We could see Trill Williams transition not just from a position, but from a side of the football and end up as an offensive skill position player full-time. And it's kind of a similar situation to Alan Stritzinger from last year. He came in as a running back. Then there's, or Rather, he came in as a safety, but there was talks that he could move to a running back. He's going to play on special teams, too. And, I mean... These kids these days are so versatile, and it comes because they're playing all these different sports. And Trill Williams, he might even play basketball here too. Who knows what his deal is? But he, he, along with Taj Harris, who we'll get to in a little bit, also have prospects of potentially walking onto the basketball team. He's the ultimate athlete. He's everywhere on the field. Uh, we saw him do a number of absolutely incredible things this year. One was a, tw- a video he tweeted out uh, playing into the playoffs. He was playing defensive back. And somebody beat his team over the middle, and this guy was on the goal line about to step into the end zone. And Troll Williams said, no, no, that's not happening. Took the ball away on the one-yard line and then returned it 60 yards to set his team up for the game-winning touchdown. Then on the offensive side of the ball, there was a play that ended up as the number one play on SportsCenter's top 10 for that day where he fell flat on his back in the end zone and still made a touchdown catch. He's an ultra-athlete. He's incredible. He's a really, really special player. This guy made top 10 twice in, what, like a month span? Yeah, he's, he's Cause bonkers. I think, the, I think the goal line strip was number four, and then he said, that's not good enough for me. I want number one. <laughs> he is bonkers from Yonkers. Bad pun, but he's Ooh. from Yonkers, New Did York. Did Dino tweet that? That sounds like Ooh, a Dino yeah. pun. Yeah, Dino had some good puns today. You should give him that one. I'm sure he's got a suggestion box at Ensley now. <laughs> Bonkers from Yonkers. He did say in the press conference today that that process yeah. is top secret. Yeah. He's not, it's some secret, secret agent agent. He's not going <laughs> to tell anyone how he comes up with those puns. Yeah, and that might be top secret, but what's not is who recruited Trill Williams to the Syracuse program. It was Nick, Nick Monroe, the secondary coach. Trill actually gave him a nickname, calls him the Swag Daddy. He's caught on a little bit. That's what we got to start calling you. I think Swag we should. Daddy. Swag Daddy JD, Swag Daddy I like JD. it. So I think, <laughs> and that's gonna be. It's a great nickname. Troll had a lot of th- good things to say about him when I talked to him earlier today. Oh, you know, he 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 made a, a big impact on you know. He made sure I, he made sure I was okay after a football game. You know, we'll talk about the game. He'll tell me. I'll send him clips of my game. He'll tell me what I did wrong instead of what I did right. So maybe correct it and. Hey, I, I look up to him. You know, he's a great guy. My family loves him. My mom loves him. My dad loves him. Even my little sister loves him. Yeah, Dino Babers today in his his fame his now famous tweets called this guy air traffic control. He is a ball hawk. He wants to take the ball away on defense. He's a safety. He's going to be the guy that comes in, takes the passes away, and make and creates turnovers and creates opportunities for the offense. He hits hard. He's got pretty good size. There are a lot of things to like about Cam Jonas. Still a little bit raw, as are many of these three-star guys. But we've seen a couple of the safeties step up and be pretty good in this Syracuse defense, even with a couple of the injuries. This was part of the wish list for Syracuse was to get a good safety. They get it in Cam Jonas, and Jonas feels that this is the perfect fit for him here at Syracuse. When I took my visit for the first time, 
it was heartwarming. Uh, all the coaches, the players I met, they're really nice. Uh, they're very accepting. It's like I was part of the family before I even saw it. And yeah, I guess that's what everybody's really looking for is kind of having that heartwarming feeling when you when you get to a program trying to feel accepted because these guys are going to be your brothers. These guys are going to fight are going to be the ones fighting with you any given Saturday for the next couple of years of your life. So you better feel comfortable in a program when you commit. And he's going to have a couple really close friends in the secondary especially. We've we've known about this whole Blue Tails nickname that the secondary gives itself. And when you look at the class of 2018, it's not just Trill Williams, it's not just Cam Jonas. A couple more guys that we're going to hit on later on, there are so many defensive backs in this class that it really seems like they're going to have a nice little fraternity. Yeah, secondary is certainly one of the weak points last right. year towards the end of the season. They looked all right in the beginning, but certainly trailed off towards the end. Next up, Trey Allison. This is one of the newer guys to this recruiting class, and he's a big hitter. This guy out of Texas, we haven't seen Dino go to Texas yet. Uh, I guess you could say with Alton Robinson, but we haven't really seen Dino go south besides Florida. He gets a big guy like Trey Allison. Little bit of a craziness with his situation, too. At, he was originally committed to SMU, but then he pulled out a, just very recently, and he says that a lot of it had to do with the whole trust factor with the Mustangs program. Last year, they told me, if you're going to commit, you're going to honor your commit. That, that's, that's, how, that, that's just my family's motto. And um, here recently, I want to say about two, two or three weeks ago, I actually got a home visit from um, Coach Trailer, Coach McDaniel, and Coach Morris. And I had been hearing a bunch of rumors about how they were leaving this and that. So I asked him, you know, I just asked him to be truthful with me, let me know what's going on. That way, I can prepare my, well, prepare myself just in case anything does happen that that we weren't ready for. And um, they just kind of. What they told me at the, at the dinner table was something totally different that was published on the internet, I want to say, two days later. So it just kind of made me lose trust in them, you know, because to me, that, they, weren't, they weren't being a man of their word to me. So, yeah, I think Dino Babers and this entire coaching staff, they kind of have, you get this with everyone. They give off that aura that this is a welcoming environment, the Ohana that we always hear Dino Babers like to talk about. So Trey Allison, he's a guy who can make an impact right away, and he's going to need to because there are linebackers that need to be filled in for from last season. Yeah, and we like to talk to all these linebackers about how they're going to fill the shoes of Zaire Franklin, Paris Bennett, and also Jonathan Thomas. I mean, everyone forgets about him. Not to mention Austin Valdez, who was pretty good in relief too. Exactly. He was a guy who could rotate in and give those guys a breather if they needed it. Franklin and Bennett get all the accolades, but Valdez and Thomas – probably would have stepped into those roles if they were juniors or sophomores and they weren't graduating. Since all those guys are gone, there is a massive burden on these linebackers' shoulders, and it seems like they're, they are ready to take it on. Yeah, luckily there are a few of them in this class, and we'll get to a couple of others as we continue to move down the line. But it's certainly probably the place where, besides maybe wide receiver, where the senior, seniors graduating are going to hurt Syracuse the most next season. Next up, Taj Harris. Again, another one of those skill guys, another guy who could potentially play basketball at this team. I mean, he's averaging 25 points per game. And, J.D., you talked to him. He, he loves Frank Howard. He loves Frank Howard. He told me, I, I asked him, he, I, I said, you know, Taj, who on this basketball team would you most like to play with? I said, Taj's battle, O'Shea Brissett, you know, the common answers that you would usually get. He's like, I don't remember his name, but I would like to play with 23, that guard. He gets buckets. And I was like, I think you're thinking of Frank Howard. He was like, yeah, Frank Howard, he is crafty. And 
He's crafty. Frank Howard is on the basketball court. But this guy, Taj Harris, is crafty on the football field. Played quarterback, played wide receiver, played strong safety, played free safety. He is an ultimate versatility machine. Incredible open field speed. Incredible open field agility. And I talked to him about that kind of dynamic playing both quarterback and wide receiver. He said it was something he loved to do in co- in high school, maybe even do it in college. Of course, of course. I could throw it. I could really, really throw it if anybody watched my highlight tape. But, yeah, I mean, I've seen a couple of trick plays, a couple of long bombs. I could surely do that. I'd love to get into that. I mean, in high school, you play a lot of positions when you, you're an athlete. And, I mean, I just wanted to play whatever makes the team win. That would make me a better chance of winning. Playing quarterback, it just came to me easily. And I played quarterback when I was younger, you know. And it was just, I mean, playing quarterback, it was fun, though. But, yeah, when I get to college, I am playing my receiver. Yeah, and we've watched, We all three of us have watched his tape. He can certainly throw the ball. Won't be doing a ton of that at Syracuse with a couple of quarterbacks that are going to be in, certainly in front of him and another quarterback in his class that we'll get to a little bit later on. But Taj Harris could be one of the most surprising and most productive members of this class for Syracuse. Yeah, maybe he's the Devin Butler of this class too, a guy who can do it all, throwing, passing, running the ball. So certainly a dynamic athlete that Syracuse is going to love having around. Next, Carlos Vettorello. This guy an offensive guard in this class, and Syracuse really trying to bolster that offensive line. They thought they had it with Samson. He's gone. Now Kadir White, Carlos Vettorello, those are two of the big ones so far in this class. And Vettorello, one of the new guys for this SU team. Yeah, Drew, and you talked about how losing Tyrone Sampson might hurt the running game a little bit. Well, maybe Carlos Vettorello being in the middle of that line, flanking either side of the center, maybe he could be what gets this running game going. He's a pretty good he's a pretty good offensive lineman, a little bit small, only about 270 pounds, but a lot of guys are small coming into college. Vetterello certainly has some room to put some weight on, and this proves that Syracuse can recruit in the Midwest. A lot of guys on this roster from last season were from Michigan. He's from Detroit. Tyrone Sampson's from Detroit, so if they get him back, that's two guys from Michigan in the same class. Maybe a new area is opening up for Dino Babers and the rest of his coaching staff. Yeah, Michigan is a bit of an underrated recruiting source, I think. Most people don't really think of Michigan as a hotbed for football, but you see a lot of talented guys coming out of there, especially Tyrone Sampson. And maybe Vetterello is kind of like a poor man's Tyrone Sampson. He's an offensive lineman out of Detroit. If you can't get Sampson, Vetterello is a pretty good thing to have as an alternative. And you want to get some some size on him, just give him a couple uh, half-moon cookies or something, <laughs> some potatoes, something that Syracuse is like. And you got to wonder, potatoes. too, maybe Dino Babers knew well in advance. Because remember, Vetterello just got here. And maybe Dino Babers knew about a week ago, Sampson's not coming. Right. And he calls Sampson's coach and says, who's someone in your conference that was really good? And maybe he stumbled upon Vetterello and then offered and he got a spot. That would honestly make a lot of sense. It, I've gotten to the bottom of this it. This is yeah. Drew's Jawar, uh, Jawar Jordan theory that Syracuse loses out on somebody they really wanted and ends up getting somebody else. But maybe Vetterello is a diamond in the rough that we've been talking about. Next, Andre Cisco. Drew, you love this dude. I love him, especially for his Twitter handle. I mean, I've been talking about this for quite a long time. His Twitter <laughs> handle is Andre, or not, not Andre, Ocho Cisco. He doesn't go by Andre Cisco on Twitter. It's Dre Cisco is the name, and the handle is at Ocho Cisco, all caps. I've got a ton of respect for that. Seems like a really cool guy. And when you watch his highlights, he's six foot one. He's a shade under two hundred pounds. He hits incredibly hard. This guy is a ball hawk. If you make a catch over the middle, look out because Andre Cisco is going to clean your clock. And I was watching his highlights, and I was kind of reminded of that classic strong safety, like an Ed Reed, maybe a Troy Palomalu. 
It's a high ceiling to aim for. I asked Andre Cisco, who do you model your game after? I say a mix of uh, Landon Collins on the New York Giants and uh, Gary on Conley from Ohio State last year. Kind of a mix of them, like a long physical guy, get guys lined up and play ball. Now Landon Collins and Gary on Conley, not Palomalo or Ed Reed just yet, but still good guys to shoot for. And again, classic mold. When you think about a strong safety, you'll think about a guy like Andre Cisco. Yeah, he's got great skill, got recruited to play at IMG Academy. If you're getting recru- recruited to go down to Branditon, there are certainly some, there's, people are seeing something out of you. And, you know, he's playing for elite-level coaches, going to elite-level camps, playing against elite-level competition, and that's going to be something that's going to translate well for him in the ACC with SU. And we talk about how in Florida and in Texas you go up against guys and maybe that's why you're docked a star, but on his own team – he might be losing a star yeah, because, seriously. I mean, IMG is just one of the the prolific programs in the nation. You're recruiting the best athletes. It's a sports school. They, are more, a of a, they yeah. are more of a factory than they are an educational yeah. institution. Maybe some paper classes there. He, he did. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> uh, not North Carolina. Hey. hey. He, he, uh, he definitely got educated on how to make a cool Twitter handle, though, because yeah. that is a sweet Maybe name. that's something they Social have. Social media 101. Social media, yeah, that, honestly, that might be something they have, considering the amount of pro athletes that go through schools like that. Yeah, and in all seriousness, with IMG Academy, uh, Andre Sisco has talked about how it's basically a college, and he's been put through the ringer in terms of coaching and learning how to take college-style preparation for the last couple of years at IMG Academy, and now he's coming to Syracuse. He's going to be ready to hit the ground running. Next up. This is going to be our favorite guy to talk about, Chance Amy. He originally was supposed to be at Houston. Then today he's signing alongside Trey Allison, and boom, you see the orange on him. This is this guy's going to be fun. Little and, Wednesday candy for yeah, Syracuse. Yeah, and, and really for Syracuse, this is a treat because, Drew, you, you put a, a Twitter video out at Orange Fizz, and this guy's got a cannon. It's, I mean, he's fun to watch. It's really – it, you har- it's Tommy to DeVito, watch out. Seriously, DeVito, like, listen, DeVito is a highly touted prospect for a reason. Guy seems to have the intangibles that you really want. If you watch him in the Elite 11, the opening, there's a reason he's four, he's a four-star recruit. There's no way he can throw a football as far as Chance Amy can. Even when Chance Amy is on the run, off his back foot, throwing across his body, flick of the wrist, guy can throw at 75 yards. He's like a righty Michael Vick. I mean, the last time I saw a guy like that, Cardell Jones. Yeah. It, that, it that's is the a, arm strength. It is a howitzer he's got for a right arm. And not to mention the fact that he is super mobile. And mobile is an understatement. He looks like a running back out there. Call him Chance the Flipper? Yeah. He came He came from Houston to Syracuse. No, actually, yeah. Tyler came up with that. I was <laughs> exactly. waiting for him to take credit, but that's fine. Uh-huh. Exactly. The best part, I think, about this whole Chance Amy saga is we're, we're trying to see. It. We, we heard some rumors that he might be flipping. We're trying to see if he is. He's signing with Trey Allison, who goes to Syracuse. They were also signing with another guy, because Trey Allison and Chance Amy, same town in Texas, Tyler, Texas, not the same high school. But they're signing with another guy. He's in the middle of them. He's signing with Houston. (laughs) And Chance Amy's supposed to be signing with Houston, and then all of a sudden, 
He's wearing blue and orange as he walks into the press conference. So on either side of this guy going to Houston, there are two Syracuse guys, and this guy just looks like he just lost. He just his dog just died. I'm, he I'm looks depressed. I'm imagining he this looks is like so upset. This is like when the PA announcer announces the starting lineups and the guys have the warm up sign and they just rip it off and there are buttons on the side so you can just do one fell swoop and you rip everything off. He's got the Houston gear on. He's got the hat on. See ya. Throws it all off to reveal Syracuse gear. Trey Allison, I'm coming with you. And the poor guy in the middle. <laughs> Just, it is he so looks sad. just so so upset, and like I don't really care because Chance Amy's now coming to Syracuse, but yeah. kind of feel for the guy. And you gotta wonder, like this guy probably knows how good Chance Amy is, and he's yeah. probably a little ticked off that he's not joining him down in Houston. You guys know that song, "Take a Chance on Me." Yeah, take a chance on me. You can do a remix. Yeah. Take a chance, Amy. <laughs> it's was easy. It, was it? I was talking oh, to Tyler. You know Amy we should fire Miss or well, I don't know what it was. Dino oh, had Dino's, something. Good yeah, oh, Dino had Amy Dino fire. had a Eddie punny Amy one. Fire, yeah. I was telling Tyler what we should do next year is put together an album of songs, like Christmas-based songs, yeah. centered around these recruits. I think Drew, you might have something going. Yeah, that'd be nice. Anyways, Chance, Amy, and we actually talked to him. And Trey Allison at the same time. They're, it sounded like they were in a car together or something. But Best buddies. Yeah, best buds. They're already coming. I wouldn't be surprised if they're rooming together too. But Would make sense. he really likes the way that this school and Dino Babers can prepare quarterbacks, not just for college, but for the next level as well. A lot of things that I, that I think being interested was in that how they prepare the quarterback for getting them NFL ready and developing them for the mental standpoint, I, I like I like that a lot. He was challenging uh, Coach Dino Babers was challenging me mentally. Even even if he said he didn't care if I came or not, he said he was just telling me I wasn't going to be. And I was asking around how how the coaches down was, and they they seem to be be very loyal. And you know they 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 keep it real. So that's, that's a couple of things that I really like that I that I took into account before I finally committed on Sunday. We haven't seen a Syracuse quarterback go to the pros since Ryan Nassib, and his career has been a lifelong backup so far. But Chance Amy, if he can step in and battle with Tommy DeVito, and he said it too, the the way that Dino Babers does this is the best guy plays. And we heard Dino say that today as well. So Chance Amy might be the best guy, and that's just going to be a wait and see. Right, and if we're going to look ahead to the future like that, if we're going to think about Chance Amy potentially going to the NFL draft – you just hope it's not a situation like the one Lamar Jackson is facing right now. Because even though they've got plenty of arm talent, and that's clear, not to sound like Trent Dilfer, but arm talent, you know he, he's got it because he's accurate and he can throw it about a mile. Uh, but you just hope that he doesn't get pigeonholed because he is so mobile. The guy can do both. He can throw it really well and he can run really well. thing with Chance Amy, he's kind of built in the mold of that new age, that modern quarterback that can do both. He can be right. both mobile and throw the ball. You kind of look at guys like Andrew Luck without the injuries. He's mobile, not as mobile as Amy, has pretty much the same kind of arm strength and arm power. Maybe Amy doesn't have the accuracy yet. I'm not comparing him to Andrew Luck by any stretch of the imagination, but he's definitely got the tools to be something special moving forward. Right, and you hope he doesn't face that situation even when he gets to Syracuse because he's going to have competition at that QB spot. For at least two, three years. Because Tommy DeVito is only one year ahead of him, so... You never know, but unless Amy, unless Amy uh, redshirts, they're going to be at the same right. playing. They're going to yeah. be at the same level because Davida redshirted. Exactly. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But I honestly wouldn't mind seeing Chance Amy because he is so dynamic with the ball in his hands. If he does redshirt, he comes out in his redshirt freshman year. Maybe you can use him as a weapon offensively. Then when it's time for Davido to move on, then you can start to put Amy at that quarterback spot. 
Amy, DeVito, who knows? Either way, it sucks to be Rex Culpepper right now. It really does. <laughs> He's probably played his last game as a Syracuse player, right? Yeah. I think so. Barring significant injury, yeah, knock on, on wood. Yeah. Put it on the board. Next, yes. Anthony Queeley, one of the Dome dudes, uh, one of those guys on the outside. He's got speed. He's got size as well. I mean, you go down to Florida, Steve Ishmael, a Florida guy. We've seen it work in the past, so Anthony Queeley may be next in line, and he's comfortable with his offense. He actually says this is the type of offense that he ran in high school, and he loves a system like this. The offense that they run is kind of similar to what we do at the high school I'm familiar with it. I just like that fast pace, not letting the defense catch their breath, uh, not letting the defense know what we're doing. We're always on the move. We're always on the ball. And that's what really attracts me. So no Sean Lewis, and that was actually Queeley's recruiter, and he said that Lewis has not tried to sway him to Kent State. He's respected Queeley's decision, so hashtag respect my decision. (laughs) Let's get it going. Trending worldwide. Uh, But no, Queeley, a guy who can stretch the field for you. He can play inside. He can play outside. Just a versatile guy, and you need versatility on this team. Yeah, you definitely do. We've talked about a couple of guys who potentially will settle into one specific role. Like I think Ed Hendricks probably won't be playing a whole lot in the slot because he's six foot four. We've seen tall guys do that in the past. Like think about Marquise Colston with the Saints. Larry Fitzgerald does it a little bit, but Probably not. I mean, those guys are special types of talents. Hendricks seems like he's going to be a guy who will sit on the outside. Especially you, if he bulks up. Right. And you want you want a couple of guys who can move both inside and outside, especially when you think, like, Nikeem Johnson is most likely going to be playing in the slot for his entire career because he's just small. It's, it's the nature of the size and the position that he plays. If you have a guy who can move in and out, gives you some extra versatility. Yeah, and for Geno Babers, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Continue to recruit wide receivers out of Florida because they put up big numbers for you in the past. Lakeem Williams, next name on the list. This is a JUCO guy. Mm-hmm. So he's got some experience at that at that bigger level, but one of the top linebackers out of the JUCO class. And again, this is a team that needs linebackers. You're losing four. Either the second or third best JUCO linebacker in the class of 2018 depending on where you look. He's out of Butte Community College in California. If that name Shout rings out a bell, Yeah, if that name rings a bell, Aaron Rodgers used to play at Butte Community College before he went to California. And interestingly enough, Lakeem Williams had an offer from the University of California, denied it, said, I want to go all the way across the country to Central New York and play for Syracuse University. And he said he wants to win an ACC championship. That's something that he and Trey Allison, who verbally committed and signed on the same days, they were here together in Syracuse, and they said they talked about dreaming about playing in Syracuse, envisioning themselves in the Dome, and potentially winning an ACC championship. So I said, Lakeem, ACC, that's got to be a big draw for you, playing against these Power 5 schools like Clemson, like Miami, like Florida State. And he said, actually, no, that's not the reason I chose Syracuse, because I had plenty of Power 5 offers. I came here for a different reason. It was really just a family-based you know, team that really pushed me to Syracuse, you know, Going into my decision, you know, I took out the conferences. I took all that stuff out and wanted to look at how the team was and how how the coaches were and how the education was going to be. And we are starting to sense a common theme here. It kind of happens every year. You find a common theme. Like a couple years ago, or I should say last year, after Dino Babers had that speech against Virginia Tech, a common theme was we like that speech that he gave against Virginia Tech. It just seemed like it was a real recruiting tool. This year, these guys seem like they're a real family even before they get to Syracuse. And, I mean, look at Lakeem Williams' Twitter picture, too. I mean, this guy has 
the ACC championship aspirations. He might even have Heisman aspirations if you look at the picture. He's, he's he hold- said he wanted to get to that point. He's holding Ernie Davis's Heisman trophy. Is yeah, that a I recruiting mean- tool? Is that allowed? Like You can't just let anybody hold the Heisman trophy. Come I on. I'd also like to point out that, that uh, that Heisman was won in, what, 1959? Yeah, that's it's been a while. dusty. It's been a while. Does it have rust? You never know, because yeah. it's probably the same color as the actual trophy itself. <laughs> That's correct. If uh, if the first defensive player to ever win the Heisman is from a junior college in California playing for Syracuse, I don't know what to think. <laughs> Stranger things have happened. Anyways, from the outside linebacker position to the inside linebacker position, we've got Juan Wallace, another IMG Academy guy. He's from that DMV area originally. Juan Wallace, though, I mean, this is another guy. He's not just replacing shoes. He's replacing Zaire Franklin's shoes. Right, and Juan Wallace talked a little bit about Zaire Franklin. Juan Wallace was actually at the Clemson win in which Syracuse beat the number two ranked team and the defending national champion. Wallace was, interestingly enough, the only recruit in attendance for that game, he told me. And he was in the the locker room as well because Kendall Coleman was hosting him for that weekend. So Kendall brought him into the locker room. Said, you got to check out what's going to happen in here because you know Dino Babers is going to go off with some viral speech. Juan Wallace was in the locker room. We've all seen Dino Babers' speech, but apparently Zaire Franklin addressed the team too. And Juan Wallace was really impressed. And he says that's something he wants to do in the future. I mean, and I know it's big shoes to fill, but I'm up as any time. I mean, why not? I mean, I'm not Russell Westbrook, but why not? So, but I mean, I, any talent isn't too big for me in my island opinion. I mean, if I can't, people, a lot of people doubted me saying I'm these too big. I mean, why not? I mean, I came down here and came down here and dug it out and grind through it. I could do the same with Syracuse. I mean, it's it's just a big, it's a, it is a grind, it is a process, but I can get through it and without and anything I put through my mind, I could do it. So that's what I believe. So high aspirations for a guy like Juan Wallace, who's a three-star linebacker, played at IMG Academy. Everyone wants to be Zaire Franklin in this class. And if they're all competing with each other to get to that point, they all want to be the leader in, in the, the house of the linebacker in the linebacker room. That's, that's good. That's friendly competition, and it's something that's going to make everyone better. Yeah, and you need that competition at the linebacker position right now. All those guys need to be pushing each other because this is a team that's losing so much leadership because – Yes, Zaire Franklin was was the big captain that everyone thought of. Paris Bennett could have done the same job that Zaire Franklin did, I think. Mm-hmm. Because you look at what those two brought, they f- they fed off of each other. And right. that's what made that linebacking unit just the core of this defense. And it's been the core for now two, three years. Yeah, and if you, you Drew, you talked about how there's already a relationship forming between Trey Allison and Lakeem Williams. So maybe there is a Zaire Franklin, Paris Bennett kind of friendship, kind of brotherhood forming already in this linebacking class. Obviously, uh, Trey Allison's going to have four years of eligibility. Lakeem Williams will only have two, so they won't be here for all four years together. But you know, there's still some some sort of friendship, some sort of bond that can can happen, and those kind of off the field bonds translate to on field success. And they certainly fit the molds too, because if you think about Zaire Franklin and Paris Bennett. Franklin was more of the ambassador for the program, a little bit louder. You could kind of see his quotes in the newspaper a little bit more, whereas Bennett was soft-spoken, only really speak if spoken to, it seems like, at least in press conferences. And in this case, both these guys seem very outspoken, and uh, Lakeem Williams was actually called by the defensive coordinator Brian Ward a larger-than-life personality. The media's going to love him. Trey Allison, I mean, you talk to him, Tyler. Guy sounds like he's 30, yeah. not 18. So I mean, <laughs> He's well guys, beyond his years. Right. These guys are both – they both seem like they really know what they're doing, and they both seem like they're going to be leaders in the locker room. 
Let's go to the local kid now. Gabe Horan, we heard Dino Babers talk about him during the press conference. He's the biggins. He's already six foot six, two sixty, and those guys only get bigger, according to Dino Babers. So Gabe Horan, a big body. He's listed as an offensive tackle. He's probably going to play more tight end, I would imagine. He's not quite the big enough build you'd figure, but this is a guy who can do it. Uh, he can block, and that's really one of his calling cards from high school, but he can also catch the ball too. He has the height to play tackle. He's six foot six. Right now he's only 260 pounds. Only 260 pounds sounds pretty funny to say, but if you want to play power five tackle along the offensive line, probably going to want to be around 300 or definitely a little bit Just more. ask Kadir White. Right, he's 334 pounds. Gabe Horan right now built more like a tight end. We've watched him in high school because he plays about 15 minutes away from here. Guy can really catch the football. I mean, he looks like a basketball player if you throw a jump ball into the end zone. He certainly can, can be a receiver. I'd like to see him at tight end a little bit. Yeah, and the tight ends coach Reno Ferry in one of those another one of those cool videos that Syracuse football put out, kind of each position coach talking about the recruits from their positional groups. And he was talking about Gabe Horan. He said, This guy's an old school football player, an old school blocking tight end. He can catch the ball. He's got soft hands, softer hands than a lot of those old school kind of guys do. But he was coached by Carl Sanfilippo, one of the most legendary coaches in the history of one Central of the New York High School, school football. Coaches yeah. Right. He does not mess around. <laughs> exactly. So if Gabe Horan's learning from Carl Sanfilippo, then that's a great start to him learning to be a sound, technical, found, fundamentally well adjusted tight end. And he might he might enjoy going from the Sanfilippo system to the Baber system. Yeah. Two polar opposites. I mean, San Filippo is basically Big Ten on steroids with the amount that he <laughs> likes to run the football. Dino Babers likes to run the ball, but also likes to run just a lot of plays in general. Gabe Horan might enjoy maybe getting out for a couple extra pass routes. And, and Ravion Pierce, we saw him get involved at big situations, and maybe it wasn't his, or it was his fault rather mm-hmm. that he wasn't on the field at all times because yep. he'd do some some dumb things penalty wise. But an understatement. Gabe Horan, I mean, you play for Carl San Filippo, you've got your head on straight. Exactly. So. Gabe Horan, that's the local kid so far for Syracuse. Who knows? Maybe we'll see one or two more in the coming weeks. All right, Will Fromey. This guy's out of New Hampshire. Again, not a big football powerhouse, one of the smallest states, but he could make a big impact. Again, Syracuse really trying to bolster that offensive line. Fromey checks in 6'6", 290, another one of the big guys from a little state. But he really likes what this Syracuse environment is because he hasn't seen anything like it, and he hasn't seen a fan base quite like the Orange. I've been saying it the whole time, the people in Syracuse, you know, um, all the other schools I'd visited and stuff, you know, I didn't see people as excited about, you know, the, the, the school teams and stuff. So, again, a guy from New Hampshire, probably not used to a lot of big-time exposure, but he feels, again, the consistent theme, the family that this Orange program brings. And that's exactly what Dino Babers brings, you know, that, that family kind of vibe, that family kind of feeling. Maybe with Scott Schaefer and Doug Marone and the last couple of guys we've seen at the helm of this Syracuse football program, maybe they didn't have that same kind of family feel, but Dino Baber certainly brings it. He's very personable. You, you, you drive down I-81, you see him with the Empower billboards, you see him all over the place with all kinds of uh, community outreach. He's certainly building a personable and affable and a very friendly program, and a lot of guys seem to like that. Last guy we're going to talk about. This is number 15 of 15, Cooper Lutz. Again, not as highly regarded as a lot of these other players. He comes out of Reading, Pennsylvania, Burke's Catholic High School. Small guy, slot guy, 5'11", 190. I mean, who knows what kind of role he's going to have in this offense, but he, he's at the bottom of this class. Yeah, he. I mean, he, he he's very versatile. He's going to come in and he's going to be a 
slot receiver, as you mentioned to us today. He could do a lot of things, and he thinks that that versatility might find him some playing time in an otherwise stacked skill position class. I think his offense could definitely bring the, the best out of me. Um, I like to look at myself as a versatile player, and it's a definitely a very versatile offense. So you can line up wherever, and there's a lot of things you can do. Coach Babers recruited me as an inside slot receiver, so I think that's where I'm going to start out. I can see myself fitting in wherever, but um, yeah, I definitely like the inside slot position, a lot of jet sweeps that we can run, and uh, wherever they can get me the ball in space. Went to high school in Pennsylvania, ran for over 3,000 yards in his career, only caught 400 yards worth of passes, but, you know, Irv Phillips was a running back coming out of high school, so maybe Cooper Lutz can have that kind of versatility to transition into both being maybe, he mentioned the jet sweeps there, that he can go and get in some open space. He's got good speed. That's going to be the biggest upside for Cooper Lutz in this class. Yeah, you run a screen for him, it's basically a glorified running play. So Just get the ball in his hands, he's athletic. Yeah, well, he's going to be a guy who's going to have to make his own plays. We'll see if he can do it in the ACC. Okay, so this 2018 class checks in at 44th in the nation. Maybe ironic. Maybe that's a sign that it's a little better. It's an omen. But, I mean, it's the highest Syracuse has had in the ACC since joining the conference. So, Dino Baber is certainly getting this program in the right direction. Yeah, I think 44th is the highest nationally since the mid-2000s. 2004, I I think, was the last time that they had a class this good. And that's you subtracted your best recruit. Exactly. That's pretty impressive, and there's still a chance for Tyrone Sampson, still a chance for Jawara Jordan, still a chance for Akeem Dixon, chance to get all these guys. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the National Signing Day special for Drew Carter and J.D. Rauchy. I'm Tyler Aki. Again, be sure to follow us on Twitter at OrangeFizz. Also find all of our web content at orangefizz.net. We'll have the full roundup of all of today's events in our National Signing Day thread. Thank you for listening, and have a great rest of your day.